0: Rodeo Rodeo
1: Welcome to episode three of the Rodeo Adventure Labs podcast. This is your host, Nick, joined by my sidekick, Steve the Intern.
2: Isn't this episode like four or five or
3: something? Mm,
2: no, no. This is episode three.
1: And yeah, I'm okay.
3: Steve the Intern. You're Sheldon, the... What am I? Junior and senior mechanic. Um, So we have... Junior, senior. Junior, senior. Yeah.
4: And then, uh, I, Yeah.
1: So we have two topics to unpack today. Uh, First, we have the Hall of Past Fridays, where we get into the ragged alpine terrain of Colorado. Uh, And to help navigate that discussion, uh, you might have heard, we're joined by um, the junior and senior wizard of Stoke, Sheldon.
2: That's me. Please hold. Sponsor, correct. Our mutual friend brewing company. Our mutual friend brewing company.
1: And we're also joined by the donkey facilitation engineer, Drew.
2: Howdy.
3: This is Drew's first podcast. I think we should acknowledge that.
2: Round of applause, everyone. Michael insert round of applause. (laughs)
0: Um
1: So yes, Uh, and then second on the agenda, we also will be talking to Logan Jones-Wilkins on his roll through town while he's on a massive road trip across the West. Um, He's already back home, spoiler alert. But in that segment, we unpack how worlds collided uh, and how he rode his trail donkey on a mountain pass that he was named after. More on that later. So, high alpine rides. I think before we even get into this, we need a preface... Um, that we would never go bike
3: riding instead of delivering flanimals. Yes. I asked for this to be inserted into the podcast.
4: <laughs> yeah. Let's just, let's just give a, a high level overview of what a hall pass Friday is and what that means.
3: Hall pass Friday is when we take Friday off and go bike riding, which Nick coined the term back in the day. Cause he got like every other Friday off at his job, which is not a rodeo, but we won't disclose where he really works. Um, so yeah, we would just, we would just go bike riding in the summer because in Colorado, the really good stuff is only really open in the summer because the snow has to melt. That's all past Friday.
1: But in tandem with that, we also try and make sure that work is off the plate. So you're not leaving anyone hanging. I'm certainly not leaving anyone hanging at my non-disclosed location of work. Spy. Uh, that will not be named. Government Uh, spy. But He's the spy. Assassin. <laughs> Just waiting to activate. Uh, beyond that, um, Rodeo does the same. And so I know that you guys had a massive shipment of Flanimal 5.0s. There was, a couple, there was, there was actually two shipments. And shipment one, um, Sheldon, you got through a lot of the builds.
3: I crushed it. So did um, Michael and Tom. Uh, but also mostly Sheldon, but also Michael and Tom. And, yeah, so we got through most of those, uh, and then a whole bunch of them needed to go over to Flux Customs for Cerakoting, Uh, and that just takes time. So that left us with a little bit of downtime, not a lot, approximately nine and a half hours of downtime, uh, with which to shut down the company and go bike riding. Um, even Jen was not here. She went hiking because she thinks high mountain bike rides, Mary, were probably a little bit dumb. Uh, and she's right. Um, so, so we were closed on Friday, but someone on Instagram rightfully said, why would you go bike riding when you have flanimals left to deliver? And he was angry. And I thought he is right to be angry if we're bike riding when we could have been delivering bikes. So I told him that was not the case, which is the truth. Um, we just had a lull and we're all really burned out. Um, Not in a terrible way, not like I hate my job, but like when you go this wall to wall for this long, which has been twenty twenty, sometimes you really do need to stop and just go ride bikes because you are a bike company. I think a lot of bike companies, especially ones Sheldon's worked at, go on like lunch rides and are lifestyle brands and like they get a lot of time off. We work really hard around here. I eat lunch at my desk. I don't go my I don't go riding midday. Uh, no one does, um, which may not be good, but that's that's the fact. So we just took a day off. And I said, everyone has been working really hard. Let's just go riding in the mountains way up high um, before the snow starts flying again. And I would rather do this once a week or every couple of weeks. That doesn't tend to happen. But it would be good if it could happen all remaining summer and fall days before the snow starts flying. So we care more than anything about getting people their bikes uh, but sometimes circumstances hand us a hall pass and we go riding.
1: So enter scene where Rodeo delivers everything, puts puts things on pause, and we go ride Jones Pass. Um, and we had a uh, most excellent guide, Tom, who has also been wrenching on some bikes here at Rodeo. And he, uh, kind of probably unbeknownst to everyone, created a really creative route. I don't know if he created it, but he would certainly... Um, spice it up, there was preems to be had. Um mm. and uh and so yeah we went up Jones Pass. I think that what topped out at close to twelve five. Mm-hmm. Um and so then you kinda rolled on the Continental Divide Trail. And and I know that one of the things here is that this ride has primarily been in the domain of mountain bikes. Um, I know Steve Pretty much whenever you've seen it being ridden, it's been on a mountain bike. No one's doing it on, you know, the style of bike that that Rodeo's creating.
3: No, I, I've seen this route since I moved to Colorado. I've seen people going up there and doing it. And it's weird because it's only an hour from Denver, but um, I've never gone, I've never even looked at it on a map. I didn't even know how to get there uh, until Friday. And But you always see, like, this trail on this ridge, which is the Continental Divide. Uh, and then people are kind of crushing it on their mountain bikes. Rightfully so. It's a super fun mountain bike trail. If you have a mountain bike, go do it. Uh, really fun. Never seen anyone do it on a drop bar bike, probably because most people are smarter than we are. Um, but we did. So how did how did it go?
4: Well, for me, it had its it was... ups and downs. Uh... <laughs> nice pun. <laughs> for... For me, it was a pretty cool experience because that, um, I snowshoe pretty heavily through the winter it's kind of an off season, uh, you know, can't go ride bikes all the time. Uh, although some people do, um, I just think it's a nice little change of pace, um, and also a good way to explore, uh, you know, a lot of areas that we ride in a completely different way when it's snow covered. So I, I snowshoe up there, uh, frequently, um. A lot of times I'll do like a weeknight headlamp snowshoe up there. So, But I had never been up there when it's not been covered in snow. So that was a really cool experience for me to just kind of see something that I've seen a lot of times, but in a way that I've never seen it, Uh, arguably in the way that most people see it. (laughs) Most people don't see it snow covered like I have frequently, but uh, yeah, that was was cool. Uh, And then, you know, once you get on the pass, I've never gone beyond that. Um, I've kind of gotten up to Jones pass and then turned around and went back home, but to kind of go around and connect it to Georgetown. Um, that was, that was awesome.
3: And this is the first silly fat tire donkey ride you've done period. You've never, (laughs) you've done big rides You, you know, Saxon yeah. Mountain and the flat tops and things like that. But you, you got your 61 centimeter donkey and you put some.
4: Yeah. yeah. So like, uh, for my birthday a couple of years ago, uh, with Steven, um, I said, I wanted to ride a road I've never ridden, um, which a sensible person would not say to Steven, uh, and give him that, uh, opportunity to put you through a crazy day. Um, but it was, it was fun. But I mean, we, I don't remember if you were on six fifties, but I was. Um, yeah, yeah, I was on like seven hundred by thirty eights, which was probably not advisable for that ride. But it was not on this level. Um, and you know, we had done the flat tops roundup, which was know, yeah, some, some, some some jeep things. road stuff, but a lot of fire roads and things like that. But I mean, this was get your get your big boys on and hike over the. Yeah. <laughs> shoulder your bike, uh, up the, um, snow drift and, you know, hit some, hit some pretty rocky stuff on the backside. So, uh, yeah, that was, it's been a while, um, since I've done kind of a, uh, true adventure ride like that. Um, you know, the past couple of years has just been, you know, a combination of some injuries and lack of motivation, but, um, yeah, it's the, it's the first time I had gotten out like that, and I was a little nervous that uh, my body just wasn't going to be equal to it. Um, but I've been riding quite a bit, just commuting in, and in uh, back home from work. But it, it was it was awesome. Like my body felt fine. I think the uh, hot dog leader cola at the end of the ride didn't do me any favors.
3: But yeah, it was it was great. Uh, I feel like certain number of people are hostile to the idea of doing this. I mean, we get the get-a-mountain-bike crowd, and then we get certain journalists that we will not name that are definitely skeptical as to why in the world would you ride the wrong bike at this place, or, you know, arguably the wrong bike. And I always struggle to communicate that I am having the time of my life, even if other people would not be. Um, But, I mean... On a scale of 1 to 10, that was a 12 to me. That's what I want to do as much as possible. Most of my life is commuting to and from work on very boring, repetitive roads. And when you get up that high on any bike and you get to like be peer-to-peer with a mountaintop that's like perfectly shaped like a pyramid, that's the good stuff. Um, sometimes you push. Sometimes you ride. Sometimes you have to get off because it's too steep and you're going to go off a mountain. And I think some people think that's bad. But if you change your mentality to it's just a really diverse day out in the mountains, then there's nothing wrong with it at all. It's super fun.
4: Well, and I think the mentality needs to shift from we're going out on a bike ride to we're going out on an adventure. Uh, I think that frame of reference is – because if you think you're going to go out and do an eight-hour bike ride, well, you're going to be disappointed because you're going to be doing all those other things and – yeah, I think if you just go into it with the right frame of mind, um, it's a 12 out of 10, like you said.
3: Yeah, and we covered 35 miles in about eight hours. And um, I think in eight hours, if you were going 15 or 20 miles an hour, you would have covered, you know, 160 road miles. So it just doesn't compute uh, mm. as a, I'm here to cover terrain. But if you're here to see things, and make bad jokes with your friends and struggle and get your camera out and come back exhilarated. It's
2: awesome. Yeah, it, I'd have to say, like, I looked down at my computer once, and we were, like, 10, 12 miles, and we already had 4,200 feet of climbing. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's pretty burly. Yeah. That, that's a big day. Like, yeah. you know, a lot of people go out for, you know, a 100-mile ride and get that much climbing. So, well, that often, 12 I mean, miles.
4: Yeah, the interesting thing I noticed, too, was uh, after the ride, you kind of get that, like second day kind of feeling of fatigue and it was more my upper body than my legs (laughs) like just Uh just shouldering your bike and pushing up stuff and yeah it was you felt it
3: I think what's cool about this kind of ride is that most people don't experience that type of terrain in their cycling lives uh the there are no trees there's nothing obstructing the views and there's all these interesting little alien plants growing there and you know, that only get to turn green for like a month, uh, before it snows on them again. And so there's these literal microclimates, just tiny, tiny, tiny microscopic leaves and flowers and things like that. And, uh, you don't get to see views like that anywhere else. So if you're willing to do the work, um, it's no different than like backcountry skiing when you go up a mountain for two and a half hours and then you ski down it in ten minutes. Uh, that's not a really good ratio of work to thrill. Um, I think our that this ride had a much better ratio. To me, it was like I don't know how much were we walking in that thirty-five miles? A mile? Us or you? Well, <laughs> just the, the royal
2: we. <laughs> Quite a bit. I mean, I think once we got to that single track, there are several sections a mountain biker wouldn't even ride because they were just that burly in fact we saw that one mountain
4: biker carrying his bike
3: yeah yeah shouldering it so who cares yeah. what bike you're on yeah i
4: mean exactly. danny yeah danny mccaskill could uh ride
3: it but that's it yeah.
1: yes so i think you know i can i can resonate with a lot of that you know if maybe maybe people are worried of like is that the right bike can i even do that ride and to me it was it wasn't even about the bike like i mean sure like it's been dialed, you know, it went through, you know, Sheldon put it through its paces. It had a new brake bleed, new, new brakes, put on the big tires. Yeah. You dial that. But once you're on the ride, you know, it just, it evaporates. Like you're not even thinking about it. And, you know, as Steven said, you're kind of looking at the environment, you're, you're goofing off, you're telling jokes, you're thinking about like, Oh, can I take that photograph? Like, what if I, you know, try and ride ahead and, and grab that shot? And, and you're just like a sponge, just trying to take it all in. And like, it's just happening. You know, every every second that's taking by is just, it doesn't matter. You know, it's like, yeah, it was an eight-hour ride. It it felt like it went by so fast because you're just, like, fully present, just absorbing it.
3: Yeah, you- I couldn't believe we burned that whole day. It definitely flew by. Yeah. yeah.
4: Well, and then the next day, I was already like, when's the next one? Yeah. Where, what now? I know. I <laughs> like, think Monarch,
3: Monarch is in our crosshairs. Monarch Crest, I feel like we got to go donkey that or flannel it or whatever we want to call it.
4: Well, um, don't give it
2: away. For sure. That, that was like the first thing me and Steven said to each other this morning was like, how was your weekend? It sucked because all we could think about was Friday. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I would encourage people that are bothered or don't understand something to maybe just give it a chance and try it. And most importantly, don't obsess over exactly what bike it is. If you have a mountain bike, way more important just go up there and see it with your own eyes then don't even think about like oh that's right or wrong bike i mean yes you need absolutely huge as big of tires as you can ride right and suspension would help and definitely an amazing granny gear those are things that will make that ride better bring some water um but the rest of it
1: yeah so on that
3: i mean in in kind of like the the realm of like what
1: to bring yeah sure you know the bike but you know Bring a lot of water. What? I had four bottles. Drew, I think you had four bottles. Yeah. Sheldon, you had four bottles. Steven, you had two in a... 70-ounce pack with the the
2: two bottles. Yeah.
1: And so then beyond the water, you know, what's in your snack pack? That's a big day. You know, what are you guys eating on the bike?
2: I also brought my filter just in case, like my little MSR pocket filter. There's so many streams that I wanted to, like,
4: just soak in, but... (laughs) Yeah.
3: You never you never vocalized that. Just just
4: soak the tootsies in some water yeah, on the way okay. home. <laughs> <laughs> clammy <laughs> Uh
3: my, my, my coup, my most important tip for doing an all-day huge ride where you get out into the middle of all of nature uh, is bring some real people food. In this case, I had a good burrito from Slow High Coffee Shop that I grabbed right before we got in the car. And when you, you know, you eat your sports food for a while, your bars or whatever potion you put in your drink and all that's fine. Salt, that's a good thing to have. So you had the salt things. But then when you get to like the spot where you just want to hang out with with your pals for 30 minutes and you can eat a burrito or a really good sandwich or a piece of pizza or whatever it is, it's like the best indulgence. Clamato. Clamato, Tom. (laughs) Tom brought a Modelo Clamato can and made it the preem to the first person to the top, which I wasn't the first person to the top. You you were Nick. I was. But then you sat down right at the base of the glacier and I merely walked. Eight vertical feet above your head <laughs> well, and took it from you. I picked you. Funny, well, funny story in. is that Tom said, Oh, yeah,
1: like, congrats. Like, that was a nice effort. You got it. And then you rolled up and you're like, Wait, let me do like the the snow part. And then Tom just rewrote the rules right there. It was not the top of the pass. It was the I little I was bit
4: higher of snow. than you were
3: at that point. So, yeah. I yeah. definitely had topped out. But, well,
4: uh, and I think we need to take a important step back and explain to the listeners what uh, beverage we are explaining and what uh, Clamato. It's a uh, crime against humanity. And for the record, I'm actually really glad now that I didn't win it.
3: <laughs> when uh, I tried a little bit. Steven, you, I think, drank more than I anybody else. So that maybe it was a Bloody Mary, uh, but I think it's a tomato juice with beer, and the worst part is the clam juice. So Clamato is uh, tomato
4: juice mixed with clam juice. Clamato. Uh, m- uh, yep. And then Modelo took the liberty of uh, just adding... Uh, little, little spritz of beer in there, yeah. uh, to really kind of give it the round out the flavor profile.
3: So, but anyone who does any kind of endurance sports knows that even the worst garbage light beer tastes like the best thing you've ever eaten. Cold, cold when bubbles. When that's you, all you need. Yeah. Cold and bubbles and a little bit of salt. Uh, so I, I mean, we all shared it, but I pounded that sucker. I didn't touch it. <laughs> I,
4: I would like to officially state on the record that I uh, drew uh, lead uh, donkey facilitation engineer did not touch the clamato. Yeah. So
1: I, I can't emphasize enough, though. You know, bring your friends, make some prems, have some fun. But I think you know, real food is hugely important. And and you know, the night before the ride, I looked in my drawer. And all I saw was some goo-, goo blocks, and I was like, this is not going to cut it. Um, and so food, like real human food, is so important that I went to the grocery store at like 11 p.m., and I made myself some ham and cheese sandwiches um, to bring on the ride. And so it's, it's that important that you should probably lose a couple hours of sleep to make sure that on the ride you actually have real food. It's true. Um,
2: it's true. I went to the store the day before and bought a five-pound bag of gummy bears. I didn't actually bring all five pounds, but... I brought at least a pound. They were delicious. Oh, man. (laughs) You never offered me any of them.
4: I offered them up. (laughs) Part of my nutrition regimen was some of Sheldon's gummy bears. Thank you, Sheldon.
3: Uh, We will link this ride on the post uh, on the website so that people can see the route. And I would say that for a less aggressive experience, you could just ride you know, you ride from Empire and then you ride up the road for maybe four or five miles not my favorite part, but if you want to, if you want to ride the ride and not shuttle it, you do it. Uh, and then you have, I don't know, four, five, six miles to the actual Jones pass. So that in itself would be a really great just to see the Colorado high country ride and you could just flip it and go back down there, or you could uh, get on the Colorado uh, or the continental divide trail that left turn, uh, and take the ridge for an hour or two to the high point which you'll know when you get to it because there are no more mountains above you. Uh, And then you could just flip it back and go back to Jones Pass and go back down. So you could do it as an out and back. And I think you would skip Herman Gulch, which was the most aggressive part of the whole ride. Uh, And also don't do this on the weekend when Herman Gulch is just like Sturgis. Uh, It just gets so crowded. But on the weekday, it wasn't that bad. But that, that roots and boulders down Herman Gulch is the only part of the ride that I think some people might just get angry at us if they're on the wrong bike. I mean, if you're on a mountain bike with, you know, a lot of travel, then you probably do it. But um, we made it.
1: That, yeah. that part just made me giddy. And for the record, uh, with, with my new brakes, uh, Soren, who helps spec a lot of the bikes, uh, most dutifully emailed me and said, what do you think of this? I'm sure so he could recommend... Um, to people what to put on bikes. And for the longest time, I was like, wow, that was these are some really nice Hope brakes, but I didn't really understand why the brakes were so good. Yeah, well, what's special about those brakes?
3: They have four pistons. Right, and most hydraulic or mechanical brakes for for flat mount, for gravel, or road have two. So this is double the pistons. And I didn't really know
1: what to say until I rode Herman Gulch, and I had an absolute blast. I was just giddy, Um, and I think part of it was that I felt... Like, I actually had brakes that I wasn't going to go careening off the side of a mountain.
4: And what tires were you on again? You were on Gravel
1: King 50s. 700 by 50? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, yeah, quick tire roundup. So I was on 700 by 50. Sheldon, you were on 700 by
2: 50. Yeah, the Venture, WTB Venture 50s. Yep.
4: Drew, you were on my favorite tire, six fifty two point two. Those icons. Maxis icon.
3: We love those. Thank you, Steve. And I was on uh, WTB Riddler 2.4, 650 by 2.4. It's like a tractor tire. It's got such huge, massive knobs and rolls really well. And I agree. I was super giddy going down Herman Gulch. But in my mind, I know that there would be people that ride normal bikes the normal way who would be irate if I told them to go ride that trail. Like it's not fun if you don't have technical riding experience and very strong brakes and plush tires. And so, like under biking. Yeah, you have to like all of those things, which is not a universal thing. So that's why I say A, if you're a fairly normal cyclist but you have good climbing gears, just go to the pass and then go back. And then B, if you want a little bit more and you want to see the really beautiful stuff, do the out and back to that peak, whatever that's called, at thirteen two. Uh and or C, do the silly thing. Uh, let us know if you do. We'd love to know what you think if you do the whole loop. Um, but either way, we'll embed it in this post. Cool. Um,
1: jersey contest? Or is it too soon? Is there, is there anything else we want to unpack still? <laughs> oh, boy. Here we go. So a so little backstory. Uh, obviously, everyone was gramming. And uh, I think Sheldon probably took the most infamous photo now from the trip where Uh, everyone is kind of just at the top, you know, you're at 13,000 feet, 13, two or something. Um, you're having a moment, you're eating, you know, that burrito or ham and cheese sandwich. And, uh, I don't really know what inspired Drew to do this, but he stuck his legs in the air with his shoes off. Uh, and then you do that because you can.
4: Yeah. Well, and I'll actually tell you, so a few of the, uh, captions, uh, actually understood what I was doing. Okay. And before we get into the caption contest, I will say I was merely trying to illustrate that my socks matched the sky. So that was what it was, was happening. The, yeah, it was the gradient of the sky. I was just trying to show that uh, Ridgey, uh you know, gets his designs from Cool Rides and that was it. Ridgey. According
2: to Instagram, you are farting though.
1: And and for people who don't know, Ridgey is Ridge Supply, the sock king. Um, The The sock king. The sock king. He is a good dear friend. He's not one of those second tier sock kings.
3: No, he is the premier sock king. Um, I heard they're making a Netflix series about him. The sock (laughs) king. (laughs) Wood watch. (laughs) Wood watch.
1: So, yeah, there was a photo posted. It was asked to be captioned. Uh, Drew's legs are in the air. And as Sheldon kind of alluded to, the quantity of butt and fart jokes was not trivial. This was
4: ridiculous. People, um, we need you to up your game. I was frankly disappointed. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, you were the butt of the jokes, no pun
4: intended.
1: Uh-oh.
4: Zing. Uh, so anyway, keep it um, down, Dad.
1: I'm pretty sure that the winner of the caption contest gets a, a Rodeo Labs jersey, uh, their pick of color and size. I'm sure we'll reach out to you later. Probably not actually me, but someone else at Rodeo who we actually, have a guy for that
4: actually works at Rodeo.
1: Anyway, um, so Drew is here to announce the winner.
4: Yep. So, uh, I will say, uh, I immediately disqualified any butt or fart joke. Um, and I did, uh, think that Pierre Baron de Groschel I am so sorry for butchering your name. Uh, but he said, some days you got good legs, some others you got playmobiles. on. so I thought that was a fairly fine, uh, observation that, Uh,
3: As a child who played with Playmobil, I appreciated that one a lot. Yeah. It made me chuckle. That that got me good. It was subtle. I liked it. But a little uh, clever. Uh,
4: And I also uh, have to say that I appreciated uh, Remy, um, his uh, interpretation of I was trying to adjust the rabbit ears to get signals so we could... Upload Instagram stories. I mean, because the people. That's informed. what Steve,
1: the intern, does, man. He just scrams yes. so long, hard. Exactly.
3: All day long. It's like, even my daughter said, Dad, that was a lot of stories. <laughs> and she's 13. So if I can outdo a 13 year old with my density of stories, I'm still young. still young. I mean, that's 110% effort. Yep.
4: That's a lifestyle. Congrats.
3: We'll email, is it Pierre? Yeah. Uh, Congrats. Or, or DM him on on the Instaface page, and yep. uh, telling me one, and he gets to pick whatever jersey he wants,
4: as long as we have it in stock.
3: Well, as long as yeah, it's
4: complicated. <laughs> <laughs> yes, those have been moving like hotcakes.
1: Yeah. Cool. Any uh, any final words of wisdom?
2: Yes, I think we forgot to mention one thing about Jones Pass, and it's a very important thing, and that's sunscreen.
4: Oh Oh, gosh. I was gonna, I was gonna say I was pretty quick to skewer, uh, Steven and Sheldon for their immediate sunburns. But, uh, I didn't say anything, but on the car ride back, I scratched my thigh and I was already feeling the reassuring tingle of impending sunburn. Uh, so I knew that I had spoken too soon and, uh, I have the, uh, two sleeve lines to to show for my efforts now. So, Can can I just say that I think I won
1: the sunscreen game then? Did you have sunscreen? I put it on before I left, yeah, but I, I mean,
2: I actually, yeah. you know. It, it actually looks like Steven's still wearing a helmet right now. It's it really does. Yeah, it
4: have.
3: looks like Steve wore <laughs> Chaco's on his head. White strap lines down the side <laughs> of my face. And then I had to go to a fairly nice dinner that night, and I just show up looking like a lobster with strap lines. <laughs> But you know what? This is Colorado, and everybody understood that I was out there. You know. Everybody was jealous that you had a good day. Yeah, I was, like, jealous of these.
4: <laughs> <laughs> My eyes are up here.
3: Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, sunscreen. You got to wear sunscreen in Colorado. And only Nick did. That was so stupid uh, of us. Whoops. Worth it.
4: First rodeo. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks
1: for listening to our high alpine segment. Now we'll transition over to unpacking Logan Jones Wilkins' Grand Traverse across the West.
0: Well, thank you. Uh, it's good to be here. Is uh, there, a,
3: there a hyphen in there though? Yeah,
0: it's it's Logan Jones Wilkins. It really trips me up. It makes all my emails really really long. Okay. Um, yeah, it's it's just a mouthful. I don't I don't blame you for for mispronouncing it, but or I miss saying it. But it's Logan Jones Wilkins. Boom. Yeah.
1: Well, now I, I feel goofy. I did some research, and I, I edited out the Jones. I thought it was like a middle name kind of thing, and I was like,
0: oh, okay. But I, Log- I'm middle nameless, actually. I just Logan Jones Wilkins, done. I, I don't know how I'm going to handle this in the future. If I get married, am I going to do three? Because I think that would be funny, but like, I don't want to do my kids with just the longest email addresses ever.
3: I don't think that would be funny either. I think
1: it would be. No, I'm just kidding. So as a as an appropriately terrible host on episode two, uh, Nick clearly forgot to um, even understand how to pronounce his guest's name. Um, so welcome, w- <laughs> welcome Logan Jones Wilkins. Um, and today we kind of just want to unpack um, who you are, what what are you doing, um, and so probably most apt to start would be how did you enter the rodeo sphere? Um, I recall that. Um, When Stephen told me this story, um, he was talking about this uh, very fine young gentleman who was very persistent um, on just trying to to email and and get into the rodeo sphere and just kind of broke down the walls. And I think eventually he went uh, to the Philly Bike Expo,
0: right? Yeah. So the story was one of, you know, someone who just really, really wants something (laughs) and really doesn't like to to hear no. Uh, So it really all started... A couple of years ago, I did a ride with a friend of mine on road bikes that no one should have done ever on road bikes, um, and I was like, man, I really I really would like a gravel bike. So I started looking, and I stumbled upon Rodeo Labs, and this bike was beautiful. It was like a cross-country mountain bike, and Avenge had a baby, and this is what it was, and it was sweet, and I was like, I'm in love. That's the dream bike. Um, so I was stewing on it, and I was like, okay, how much do I have to work to to get this and it was like, oh my God, it was so much. I wouldn't be able to bike anymore. So I was like, okay, that seems tough. Um, but I, 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 I'm a go-getter I'd like to say in a way. So I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna to t- send an email, uh, send an email, see what the company's about. I, I kind of read the story. I knew a little bit about Steven. I knew what, what the whole thing was about. And I, I really liked it. It really kind of resonated with how I like to approach cycling. So, um, got on my email. Oh, Steven, you have a question?
3: I get to interject occasionally in this story is as interesting commentary. We get a lot of, will you sponsor me emails? Uh, and also, uh, that's a whole other subject, but your email was very long, very long.
0: I I mean, I think Steven, we are cut from the same rambling cloth. Like we sometimes get carried away with our, with our own thoughts. Um, but I think that just like I think you understood where I was coming from, and I definitely I definitely, feel like I understood what you're coming from behind this company. So I was just like all about it. I was like totally in love, like I'm just gonna try to pull out all the stops. So yeah, I eventually went to Pencil. or wait, pencil wait, wait. what was
3: your pitch in the email? Because, okay, let's call this how to get sponsored 101, <laughs> which please don't email us. Oh, that feels bad, but don't. Uh, how to get sponsored. Uh, what did your email say?
0: Okay. So I knew, I knew it wasn't, I wasn't going to be able to be like, yo, I can convince people to buy your bikes. Cause like, that's just, that's not realistic. Like I'm not, and I'm also like, I'm not Ted King. Like I'm not winning dirty Kansas yet or ever. I don't know.
1: Um, but dirty Kansas happening anymore. I don't think that
0: is true. exists anymore. I know it might not exist anymore.
3: Let's call that the race formerly known as, and then we'll just give a symbol like Prince. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Just yeah. a squiggle That's a good idea
3: Gravel, um, gravel McGravel face
0: <laughs> Gravel McGravel face So my pitch to Stephen was I was going to have a, a journalistic angle Because I knew he really likes stories And telling stories And that's what this is all about This is ride, explore, create And you want to create some product And that was My pitch to him was um, I'm a journalism major at the University of Richmond I hope to go into a field where I will write Uh, So I would would like to produce content in that department and tell the story of Rodeo Labs beyond the races. And that was kind of my idea. Um, That's something that that one, I think, could have been mutually beneficial. One, I get to, to produce stuff that I can then put in a portfolio. And Steven has someone who is... Doing things with their bike that other people aren't necessarily doing and is maybe a model for other people going forward. And I think that was that was what I really wanted to center it around, not the competitive outlet. Um, and the competitive outlet was just to kind of get out and about, talk about the bike um, and just enjoy what it can provide. And I think that was that was my pitch. And I think that's where we started to have the relationship
1: I think it's it's interesting, too, because I guess in your, your pitch to Steven, you didn't really come at it from the uh, competitive side, but you know how to hold your own in a bike race, right?
0: Yeah. So I, I am a, I'm a domestic elite road rider. I finished top 10 in uh, junior road nats when I was a junior. Um, I was kind of balancing it with a road racing, uh, road racing season uh, with my Team Kelly Benefit Strategies. Um, so yes, I, I do race. I have never had the intention of being exclusively a racer going forward. Um, and writing is something that I really do want to pursue as a career. So the Rodeo Labs was a way of parlaying the, the racing into something that is more journalistic and something that I think is more sustainable. And I think that was the, that was my intention behind reaching out to Rodeo Labs is, okay, this is a company I can work with going forward and, and it, going outside of that bubble And I think for this year, as it has worked out, I think I have started to kind of see where I can go from here.
3: Yeah, because none of that happened. Uh, We didn't get to watch the Continental Racer uh, jump, you know, off the deep end into gravel racing as an experiment and see what happened, which to me would have been really fun uh, because it could be that you like crushed and flourished, which I think that you would do really well. But it is fun to see someone come into that genre and then discover that it's got more dimensions and layers than uh, a road race. So much can go right and wrong and it's not only watts although they, I guess they have to be there to, to be at the front but uh, I was I was really keen and I still hope I get to see this when we all get a race again or whatever but like what's gonna happen when Logan finally gets to like crack his whip And he has a little bit of the genre the context of of that genre at a little experience to roll into it so
0: yeah it's been it's been the dark art of tires like i've the the most i communicate with nick and steven both about is probably tires because i have no idea what i'm doing
3: yeah and it will never end you'll never get to the bottom of the tire pile
0: i will not i will not i'll be constantly getting flats and just yeah trying to to go narrow when i really should and that's the roadie way i guess it's a great experiment though um, so I really switched gears. I, I ran some again, kind of going back to the roots. School was canceled. School was canceled. So, I mean, I basically was like killing time in Arkansas. And then um, the the motivation slowly came back because I had this wild illusion that, oh, in August, I'll be racing again because it will be better. Of course, it's not as we approach August. But uh, so I, I the wheels were turning and uh, I cooked up this road trip uh, first with my little brother uh, back to our old hometown And then uh, on my own, just living out of my car, going to the coolest places I could. So that's how I've made it here. And it's been honestly a summer that I will never forget and something that I think I have really grown from. And I think going forward, I'm in a much better headspace and I'm really excited to see what happens when things hopefully get back to normal. I mean, that might never be, but I think going forward, I'll I'll have a blast no matter what. So
3: your your road trip's... Like a solo road trip all over you and your Prius and your bikes, uh, a couple wheel sets, a tent. Uh, I'm right that you haven't actually stayed at like hotels. You've just been tenting, I think.
0: Yes, I've kept track. There's been no hotels. There's been 31 nights in tents, and there has been four restaurant meals. Wow. Um, so the rest has been uh, self-sustained solo uh adventuring, if you will.
3: In in your overland Prius.
0: Yes, in the in the off-road Prius. Yep. And and you kind of
1: mentioned this um almost as like a productive and intentional alone time. What what do you mean by that?
0: Yeah, so I'm calling it productive loneliness. Uh, and I think loneliness gets a stigma. It's like, oh, you're lonely. That means you're miserable and you don't have purpose or or you're down on yourself or depression and loneliness are really tied together in our in society. Um, and I think in some cases, like, yes, loneliness and depression are things that feed off each other. But I, I being alone for a month, uh, really just self-driven, maybe a f- couple phone calls, but not interacting with people. I have really grown so much because... I, it, this sounds super cheesy and cliche, but like I've be, had to become my own best friend, my own advocate, and my own hype man because in situations when you're stuck, like 30 miles from your car, you're tired, you're on the bike, no one's gonna come pick you up. Uh, like you need to start betting on yourself, and that then feeds to oh, I'm gonna bet on myself when it comes to like my thoughts at night and my motivations and how I want to approach school next year. And it just kind of builds on itself to a point where you're mentally having so much more positive self-talk because that, that, that influence and that positivity doesn't have to come from someone else. It comes from yourself and from your own experiences. And I think that's kind of the idea of productive loneliness that I've really thought of and I've really grown from with this trip more than anything.
3: So what have you seen out there on the road? Like that's what Arkansas to
0: – did you go to California? Yeah. So the year um, – And then back. Yeah. So the I think the best way to describe it was I had a conversation with a credit card company because I got declined in Oklahoma because I was traveling. So I had to call them and be like, okay, here's where I'm going. They're like, okay, what states are you visiting? And I was like, okay, um, I'm going to Colorado, Utah, Nevada, Idaho – Montana, Wyoming, Washington, Oregon, and California. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wait, that's just all the Western states minus Arizona. Sorry, Arizona, but it's too hot. Uh, so, yeah, I've been pretty much everywhere I've wanted to go uh, in a span of a month and a half. I think I just hit uh, 7,000 miles of travel so far. So, yeah, it's 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 been moving, moving and grooving.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I've never done a road trip like that. I would imagine that you would just have some highlights and lowlights of that trip, like what stuck out. So you're driving and then you're camping and then you're riding your bike every single day, pretty much somewhere new. Uh, so never the same thing twice. Uh, what stands out?
0: So the thing that stands out most would be uh, Glacier National Park because I have a little connection to the glacier. I've never been there, but my mother went there and she's, she did bike tours with kids. And she was a teacher when she was in her early 20s. Um, and she, Glacier stuck out to her as a place that she was, it was her favorite place. And as you know, Logan Pass is in Glacier National Park. So my name comes from the pass. And just so happens that I'm a cyclist and I was traveling alone. And she was like, you have to go to Logan Pass. You are named after it. I agree. Uh, you have to experience that. So uh, I d- went all the way north to Glacier. I was, I didn't know what to expect. I mean, I saw photos, but I mean, like photos can only do so much. So I, i logistics were tough. Like you can only bike it in a certain hour and you have to, you can't bike all of the park. You can just bike parts of it. So I had to time it right. Um, I had to wait all morning. And then I finally got out to it when I, when I was allowed. Um, and I just, it was like a spiritual journey in a way, because even though it, it, you're just a name, it's just what you're called to have that connection to a place that just unspeakable beauty, just like I, I was overcome with emotion. I don't know if it's because of the beauty of the place or how I will always be able to look back on that as like, this is something that is special to me. But it was just some combination of it all and having a great a great ride too, just feeling awesome and, and riding better than I have in a while, healthier than I have in a while. It's just like, counting all my blessings in a way that just like overcame me to the point where I was crying on the way down because I was so happy with what I was doing. So, I mean, that day can't be beat in my mind.
3: I feel like I need to go on a road trip and find a pass. I don't think anyone's named one with my name. Stephen's, anyway. (laughs) We can find something. I I need what you found out
1: there. (laughs) Those, I mean, there's definitely, I don't know. I probably could count on one hand the amount of bike rides I've been on that have kind of made me emotional, but there's always, there's something there, you know, whether you're pushing yourself physically or there's kind of more of a deeper connection to the place. But I mean, those rides, ra- like those rides, are they're foundational. Like they kind of change your perspective. Um, it's, it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think the, like the way I can describe, like I'd say the least memorable day I had was in Yellowstone. <laughs> so I, we're talking about one of the best, like the most popular national parks, Um and it it it, like and it wasn't a bad day. I just things just kept building and the fact that like the the process itself was so rewarding because it was this progress. It was essentially one continuous journey. I would just drive in the morning, eat breakfast, ride, eat dinner, drive, find somewhere to camp anywhere (laughs) for free, anywhere that can take me that costs no money. Uh, and then, just repeat and repeat and repeat, and that was just the whole progress of it all just really made it build on itself in a way that was incredible.
3: Well, that's cool.
1: I was pretty keen that the low moment was gonna be having to use a tire plug for the for the first time uh descending cinnamon pass on thirty eight uh see slicks or not slicks but tires i mean that's a narrow tire and you're out there and you just flatted and you have to use a technology you haven't used before. That that wasn't a
0: low moment. No, that was absolutely a high moment. I don't know what you're talking about. I I definitely feed off adversity.
1: So you like throwing yourselves into a situation where you're probably almost in over your head and a tire, a flat tire, and then plugging it is certainly not that. But that almost happened on your trip again, right? When you decided to do an FKT. And then at the top of a thirteen thousand foot pass, is you're caught out in a storm. Like, what's going through your head at that point?
0: Um, I again, it was kind of like, oh, there's a there's a lightning storm. I gotta get down. Will I make it? And it's just kind of it's very unhealthy, but it's it's the it's something that pushes me to 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 push my boundaries, to train harder, to experiment more, to adventure more. And I think, like as of now, I think hopefully. At some point, I'll learn my lesson, but I'm enjoying the process of it all right now. And it's kind of, every day is a little bit of that, oh, will I find a campsite? Oh, will I, what will I do? What what mess will I get myself in and what misadventure will happen today? And I mean, it's a, it's, it's, I think my parents are going to listen to this and be like, what are you doing? Like, please get a hold of I, yourself.
3: We could strap him to a desk for a week <laughs> and break his spirit.
0: Uh, yes, that would kind of break my spirit. But I, it's just that kind of pushing the boundaries of what I can do is really what motivates me more than anything, I'd say.
3: Well, it's good. Uh, we were asking Natalie last episode what she does to stay motivated. I don't think you're lacking for motivation. So that's, actually a pretty great thing i think that there are a lot of people in a place right now where they're bummed out and in a bad you know set of circumstances but i'm glad you're kind of floating on top of everything it's super unique blessing super cool riding bikes driving off-road prius don't know where you're going to lay your head tonight if you need to sleep on the couch tonight you can ask nick and aaron (laughs) if if they care
1: It's, it's cool. You can, you can crash on the couch. The hotel rodeo. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, um, you're kind of living this, this dream of, of the unknown. Um, and so many people don't get to live that. And it's just such a weird thing to actually live where you don't know where you're going to even, you know, sleep that night and you're experiencing so many new different things. And, Um, I can definitely draw parallels to that in, in my life. Um, when I was 18, I went on a seven week road trip across the U S and I think it was one of the most perfect experiences. And so, yeah, I mean, as a listener, um, here's a person that's doing it right now, um, doing very much a similar thing to what I did when I was 18, but you're, you're a little bit older than that, but you're, you're living that unknown. You don't know where you're going to be. And it's,
3: it's really great to explore your backyard. Um, and as a two time 20 year old. I can say that it becomes harder to take uh, the light, the endless road trip. So enjoy that.
0: Uh, I definitely I, I have every day I'm like, oh I'm, I'm so lucky to, to be like one, the gender I am, two the skin color I am because I think both of those things impact the ability I have to travel in some of the places I am. and I recognize that. and um, I wish it wasn't the case that those two things impact someone's ability to do that but it is a kind of our reality. Uh, and in this time where we're, we're dealing with all those questions, um, part of me feels a little guilty about it because I'm like, oh wow, I really do have this privilege. Um, but at the same time, like, yes, I have the privilege and it is something that's really great. So I'm in, gonna enjoy it, but also recognize where I am and really focus on building off of it and being a better person because of it, because like it is a great opportunity that I've been afforded. And I really wanted to take that and be productive with it. So I hope that the lessons I've learned and all the places I've been inspire me to give back and to push myself to be a better person. Because I think that's really what it comes down to is like, how can you take away positive things from these experiences and not just be uh, someone living in your own sphere and taking only the selfish, short-term gratifications from it. And I think that's uh, what this next period will be for me we'll be processing it we'll be figuring out what to do next because yes i i am privileged to do this trip and it's been really cool but that's something that really only serves me so now i need to build off of it and grow from it and give back to the people that has helped have helped me do this and the society that has made this possible for me
3: yeah i mean i think when i, I share that i mean when i went to morocco so much about going and doing that is super selfish and that you're just training endless hours. You're spending a whole bunch of money buying gear and travel and like just layers and layers of like, wow, I'm really privileged. This is really great. Uh, it's very selfish. It's taking time away from my kids and my wife and even work and other things that are important. So either it starts and ends at we are a part of a selfish sport where it basically asks you to give it more and more and more time and there's really no end to it, or that can help shape your character and make you, you know, a better per- person, give you really good insights. So when I came back from that trip, I was really motivated and still am to carry some of the thoughts away from that, turn it back into what I do at home, what I do at work. Uh, everyone called me like Stoner, Steve, like the dude or whatever when I got back here at work because they were like, what should we do? And I was like, I don't care. Like, I've, I've been to another place. Like, work, work isn't that important, but it is. But, you know, like, everybody calm down. We make bikes. It's great. We're, you know, every so it, it kind of changed a little bit. You know, I was like, you guys need to buy a car. Go buy a car. Let me know what you get. Like, I was just so much less tight fisted about a lot of things in life. Um, and I, so there is, a, there is a, the potential for a selfish sport to end unselfishly, make you better. So I think, you, I think there's a responsibility to share what you've learned. Um, so no pressure, but b- you better write something just mind blowing for the journal.
0: After oh, this oh we trail. got it. This like, can I do my little pitch now? Can I do my little pitch? Cause I've been thinking a lot about this. Cause I was like, cause writing is kind of like, this is why we're here. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so I have, I have a grand idea. So, the the theme of the, the, the name of the trip because I like to name everything I'm weird like that I like I named all my stuffed animals like it's it's a long running thing and I like I'm just like fascinated with names um, so it's the grandest tour like that's that's what I've been on okay um,
3: oh yeah I've seen this
0: yeah so the grandest tour and it was the idea was um, instead of racing I was going to do a month of my own quote unquote grand tour finding the grandest places in the United States and just living life. Each stage.
3: Um, What was the penultimate stage of the grandest tour?
0: The penultimate stage was well. Let me think. Redwoods. Redwoods. Okay. Yeah. So it was not Logan's Pass. No, that was. I mean, that was only stage eleven. That was a rest day. I was early. I had a rest day after that, but so I I had had the grandest tour, um, and the how I've decided to process it is I'm going to work backwards. So I'm going to work backwards from some of the lessons I learned, and then I'm going to walk through kind of the the. The fastest known time mountain duathlon thing, whatever whatever you want to call it, I did a couple days ago. And then I'm going to talk about the Logan Pass Day. Um, I'm going to highlight some national parks that I feel like if you are a rider, you might be interested in. And I'm going to finish with the first um, part where I went out on my own. Or I guess it was me and my little brother. We took a, a trip back to our old hometown where we haven't been in nine years, and I took him on a bike trip. So I took him on a bikepacking adventure. He's not a cyclist. Um, and that was something that really taught me uh, how patience can provide things for you. So that's going to kind of tie it all together. So it's going to be four or five parts, short quips about the different aspects of the journey, um, tying back to that, that main theme of patience and love and, and what the bicycle can bring to everyone, which I think is, is really what this whole thing has taught me.
3: And just like me, you won't ramble
0: i I will try not to ramble,
3: yeah, because i don't, and that's what I expect of everyone <laughs>
1: and and I probably over edit myself, I probably don't speak very much um. <laughs>
3: man a few words, but man when he speaks
1: <laughs> yeah I, I mean I think that's that's uh I like the pitch um i'm not I guess I'm not in a position to to sponsor anything, but i I think that it's um very interesting to see how going and doing the trip that you did, it's very much a trip of introspection and being alone and being comfortable being alone. But now you're going out and you're trying to find a way to tap back into your community and share that and and tap into just being in a community and part of that and sharing a story and, and kind of weaving that. So um, I think it's interesting how people can kind of turn inwards and then kind of come back out and and you can gather so much.
0: Yeah, I think it's, Because I I was throughout the whole trip kind of feeling guilty that it wasn't writing. But my computer was dead for a month with it because there was nowhere to charge it. Um, It took too much power to charge it out of my car. Um, And I was also so in the moment because I mean. Hold
3: on. Your car is a battery.
0: Yeah. But (laughs) see, that's the thing. It's a battery. So it needs needs to keep its charge. It's very selective. All right. It's a picky. My Prius is very picky. Like I have to be careful. I have to treat her right. Um, but so I was just, I was like, it was a very like self-absorbed trip. Like there's no other way to say it. So I was needing to be present and experiencing everything. And now as I'm starting to look at it from a removed perspective, like I'm like looking back at it, I can now take away things that I can tell other people and, and communicate that, that journey I've been on in a better way oh my God, that sounds so hippie. I am sorry, but that's just how I feel, I guess.
1: So I guess just from like a technical perspective, because my brain's probably just not computing it. As someone who has sometimes dabbled in writing in the Rodeo Journal, I admit it's probably been too long, but are you leaving any kind of voice memos for yourself or notes or like, how do you, how do you feel comfortable that you're going to be able to instantly recollect it all and be able to share that story?
0: So, I have, I have uh, one notebook that I write recipes, school reminders, uh, outlines of stories. And I, I mean, they're not like hard outlines, they're just a couple keywords or a couple different things that happened. Um, and the rest is just kind of locked in my brain. Like, I, I, I am pretty introspective. So, like, I think pretty, I am pretty inward. And things like, like experiences and internal dialogues I've had stick with me pretty well. So uh, it won't be too much of a challenge once I finally sit down and have the time to, like, really r- process it all, I think.
1: This cool. guy has no writer's block, huh?
3: No. <laughs> I think we're butting up against the invisible time barrier because we get carried away when we're having fun talking. Um, so we'll probably wrap it. Any final thoughts?
1: Uh, I think we we got to thank Logan for hounding us to do a
3: podcast. Thank you. Um, yeah, that, he said, I'm coming tomorrow and we're going to podcast. You know, I mean, I, we, got, we got served.
0: I couldn't I could not not experience these new toys. Like yeah. like I got the earphones on. You can't see me, but I've been smiling the whole time. Just like, <laughs> I love it. I love the headphones. I love the voice. It's all great. Um, but no, thank you guys. Uh, Steven, obviously, thank you. You've built an incredible bike. You've built an incredible company. I am so fortunate to be a part of it. It has really made this journey just so much fun.
3: Well, I thank you, but this company is like eight or nine or something. People, I don't even, I'm losing count because we just added one yesterday. Uh, so it's everybody making this work, uh, often working significantly harder than me. But we're happy to be a part of what you're doing and support it. And uh, yeah, seeing people out there doing things on our bikes Is very rewarding. It's what I call the non monetary compensation. Like, you don't make a lot of money running a bike company. Uh, Maybe you can, I don't know. Uh, I know a lot of people lose everything running bike companies, but what you don't lose is like the non monetary. I really love what I do. I love the people that we come in contact with. I like stories being made up and told and then getting inspired by it. Like, that's the best part for me. So, it's fun to watch you run around and be a 20 something year old. You're young. kids (laughs) i can't wait till i'm like like 16 i can be grumpy and all you young whippersnappers running around on your bike
4: get off my lawn
3: we'll finally have an e donkey by then the donk Donk e uh just for me that's when the trademarked already don't don't try it Uh, e-bike line comes in 20 years when i can't pedal as hard so yeah
1: well uh yes thank you again uh Logan for for joining the podcast. I'm sure some of the listeners have already uh, read some of his um, blog posts on the Rodeo Journal, uh, and he likes to monologue on his Instagram. Uh, he he drops lots of stories, very entertaining. Um, so, what's, so you, what's your
3: Instagram? It's
0: a, it's L Jones Wilkins.
3: L Jones. L Jones
0: Wilkins. All all one phrase. No no hyphen. Uh, yeah. If you if you've liked me droning on here, just wait. Just wait. Yeah. Just watch his Instagram stories. Just wait. Uh, so it's exciting,
1: and we're definitely, um, I'm looking forward to seeing what you come up with, um, how you kind of share this story. It's kind of been, it's fun to have watched watched it unfold on Instagram, and, and glad that we could have been a part of it. And you heard it here first at the Radio Labs podcast.
3: So last episode, we did not know exactly that we were using our intro-outro music, and we did not properly thank Q uh mr quinney the Pooh uh for writing our podcast music so it's a special shout today it Wait, is episode two glorious it um
1: and it, it you know he's not wrong we are kind of like recording in front of a live audience um it's true of
3: yeah drew over there in the corner
1: yeah who you can't do. even hear us because he's got headphones on
3: but well drew's going to make an appearance in the podcast soon um You've been put on notice. So, yeah. But huge thank you to Q. Uh, I love
1: it. I can't get it out of my head. Uh, very dangerous. catchy. Yeah.
3: It's dangerous. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, until the next one, which we don't know when that will be, but maybe soon. Uh, that's it for episode two. Yeah. Go ahead and sign off. I'm the sidekick.
1: <laughs> so thanks for tuning in. Uh, once again, this is your host, Nick. Um, I am informally the, the voice of Rodeo. Um, my very first job for Rodeo was setting their voicemails, um, and now I've somehow graduated into podcasting. And I'm very happy to have a, a very faithful co-host and sidekick, Stephen Fitzgerald.
3: It's true. I'm here to bring you um, lavender tea to keep your voice soft and beautiful. <laughs> All right. Till next time. Rodeo